Welcome to the Cornerstone Vineyard Weekly Message Podcast. We are enthusiastic about all ages pursuing, experiencing, and having an authentic relationship with Jesus, others, and our community. Join us as we open God's Word and seek His direction in our lives. Well, good morning, everybody. If you would open your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 2, that's where we're going to spend our time today. Uh, if you are using the YouVersion Bible app, we have all the message points and uh, scriptures and all that kind of stuff on there. Just open up YouVersion and look for Cornerstone Vineyard Church, and you can have all that stuff. And to get started today, we're going to take a, we're just basically going to jump straight into the scripture, only I'm not going to read it to you. I actually have a celebrity lined up to read this one to you. But let me set the stage a little bit for you. There's a Christmas pageant that's about to happen. And during the rehearsal for that Christmas pageant, this huge argument breaks out about what is the true meaning of Christmas. Fortunately, one person there actually knows the story and what's going on. And so he steps forward and lays it out for everybody. So check this out for me. I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. All right, who remembers that? Yeah, Yeah, okay, the under 30 crowd right now is going, what in the world was that? You see the gray in my beard? You're going to get some old-timey references, but hang with me. I promise it'll be worth it. So for those of you that don't know, that was from the Charlie Brown Christmas special that used to be ubiquitous on network television. You couldn't turn on the TV this time of year without seeing that playing. Okay, I get that the under-30 crowd is also going network television. Okay, we'll save that story for next time. (laughs) So initially... I got to admit, I hadn't really given the shepherds that our friend Linus was talking about there a whole lot of thought. They're only mentioned in Luke, and they, they play a small role. It's, it's one of the stories we tell, but I just figured, you know, God took somebody lowly because he likes to use the meek to bring down the proud. And, you know, we see this scripture kind of play out several times across the Bible where he uses people we wouldn't normally think about for specific purposes. So, that's it. Move on, right? I mean, honestly, initially, I wasn't even supposed to be speaking about the shepherds. I was supposed to get the wise men, but we had a schedule shift, and my message got pushed a little bit into the shepherds. 
But the wise men, I mean, there's a story, right? You've got these three men of wisdom and wealth who come thousands and thousands of miles to see this child king that they know nothing about. And during that journey, they have to dodge this insane, jealous ruler who wants to kill this child king because he's a threat to him. And then a lot, you know, they follow a star that suddenly appears in the sky one night and they bring these expensive gifts. I mean, there's so much in that story. I literally could bore the sin out of all of you with facts and history. The conversion rate in this building would have been off charts. But I didn't get that. I got the shepherds. So we're going to go back and examine their story this morning. So let's take a quick look at Luke 2, through, uh, 2 8 through 12. So there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you that you will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. The scripture then goes on to say that the shepherds dropped what they were doing and ran to see this thing that had happened. They told everyone they could about what had happened, and then they returned to their flocks later on, praising the entire way back. It must have been a really incredible night to be a part of. They got to experience worship with an entire heavenly host of angels. They were some of the first people to see Jesus in the flesh, the Messiah, God sent here for us. They were the first ones really to spread the good news. And in some senses, they were the first disciples. It's really hard to overstate, I think, just how overwhelmed, awestruck, excited, surprised, joyful that they must have felt. I mean, all these emotions, it must have been an absolutely incredible night. But what about that applies to us here in 2020? Because honestly, it's been a rough year for all of us. And it's really hard to think of a year that feels further removed from that jubilant celebration of an expectant Israel that the king had finally come. So what do we take with us? Well, we're in a series called Unforgettable, exploring the key stories of Christmas. And we're examining the stories of the people and events that surround the birth of Jesus over 2,000 years ago these unforgettable stories and these unforgettable people that we're still talking about today. And I've got a few ideas about how this particular story, how it fits into our lives and what it means to us here and now. So today we're going to talk about these unforgettable commoners. And we're going to explore their story together. And I've got a couple key points that we're going to unpack together and ideas that we can apply in our own lives as we journey towards becoming unforgettable in our own walk with the Lord for the kingdom's sake. But before we jump into all that, if you would bow your heads and pray with me. Father, this morning, would you just fill this place with your Holy Spirit? Would you open our minds to what you have for us? For ways of thinking that aren't of our own, but are from you? Would you break down the walls that keep us from hearing your word? and what you want to impress upon us this morning. Father, we're grateful for this time together. We love you, and we are so, so thankful for the birth of your son. And it's in your holy name we pray, Lord. Amen. So the shepherds we were just talking about, we're going to kind of use them as a model for the rest of this talk. 
And the first point that you can write down if you've got your handouts or if you're taking notes somewhere else is that we can be unforgettable if we let God define our worth. We can be unforgettable if we let God define our worth. So I struggled a little bit with the idea of worth here, and maybe for you, role fits a little bit better, and we're going to explore both of those concepts as we move forward. Once again, from our story, Luke 2, 8, and 9, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. So my first question here is, of course, why, why the shepherds? Why reveal yourself in this particular way? Well, I already kind of had an answer in my head, right? You know, God, God likes to use meek people, and, you know, he's not going to use the proud. He's not going to use the haughty. He's going to use these very basic shepherd folks, and he's going to reveal himself in a spectacular way because he doesn't think like we do, and he does things differently than we do. I mean, that's the answer. That's what I'd always been taught, and it seems like a pretty good answer. I got curious, though, and I decided to do a little bit of digging, and so I fired up Google and read, you know, some passages in a couple different books that I had on hand, and here's what I came up with. So Randy Alcorn of the Eternal Perspectives Ministries has this to say, in Christ's day, the shepherds stood on the bottom rung of the Palestinian social ladder. They shared the same unenviable status as tax collectors and dung sweepers. Only Luke mentions them. I don't know if you can get a lot lower in society than that. And honestly, I'm feeling pretty good at this point, right? I mean, some guy on the internet that I don't know agrees with me, so I must be right. I decided to dig a little further, though, find a couple more sources. So Frederick Farrar, who was a uh, cleric in the Church of England in 1893, had this to say. Shepherds at this time were a despised class. Robert H. Stein, a PhD from the Princeton Theological Seminary, said, In general, shepherds were dishonest and unclean according to the standards of the law. They represent the outcasts and sinners for whom Jesus came. One source I found even said that the rabbis considered them to be religious outcasts and their testimony was not admissible in court. So I'm not going to lie, I'm feeling pretty good about myself at this point because number one, I'm not a shepherd because they don't seem to be well-liked. And number two, I'm right. We've got this solved. We can move on with the next point. But I started to think about other descriptions I've read of shepherds in the Bible. And I was really curious where they got this interpretation of the shepherd's value from because it didn't match up with some other things I'd heard and read in the Bible that we're going to explore here in a minute. So it turns out that most of these interpretations of the social standing of a shepherd came from two sources, the Mishnah and the Talmud. Remember earlier how I said I could bore the sin out of you with facts and history? Buckle up, folks. Okay, okay, I promise I'm going to keep this short and there is a good point to it. So the Mishnah is a collection of rabbinic sayings. The rabbis would debate issues that pertain to the Old Testament and to Mosaic law, and then they would record those debates for posterity so people could read them later, okay? The Babylonian Talmud, which was compiled about 500 years after Jesus was born, contains rabbinic interpretations of the Old Testament and interpretations based on the Mishnah. So basically, in short, the Mishnah is rabbis debating the Old Testament and Mosaic law, and the Talmud is rabbis debating the content of the Mishnah. 
So we're getting further and further away from our source material. Are you still with me? Okay, do not pull the ripcord. I promise the point is worth it. Just stay with me a little bit longer. So the problem here is that these sources are getting further and further removed from the original source material, and they're centuries out of date with the time when Jesus was actually born. So contextually, they're not super reliable sources. They're kind of printed hearsay in a way. The other thing that stood out to me was the stark contrast with which these sources were describing shepherds versus what I had always read in Scripture. So let's take a look at a couple verses together. John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It was Jesus talking. John 10, 14, this is Jesus again. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Isaiah 40, 11 says, He will tend his flock like a shepherd and he will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and he will gently lead those that are with young. I could have quoted pages and pages of scripture here, but none of these Bible descriptions made shepherds sound like unreliable, lazy, untrustworthy, untrustworthy people that we shouldn't associate with. In fact, I couldn't find a disparaging comment about shepherds anywhere in the Bible, and they are mentioned literally hundreds of times. So here's where I'm going with all this. Your value, your worth, what makes you unforgettable, your unforgettableness, that all comes from God. This world is going to do a lot to assign a value to you. The world's going to tell you that only a few exceptional individuals will stand out in history, that they are the ones that will have a lasting impact. Not you. They're the ones who matter. Maybe, just maybe, if you're more selfish with your time and you're more focused on social media and self-proportion and put, you know, promotion, putting yourself in the public eye, Maybe you can get that whiff of immortality, the fabled 15 minutes of fame. But you see, God doesn't work that way. That isn't what made the shepherds unforgettable. They weren't social media stars. They weren't visible to thousands or millions of people. They didn't promote themselves. Look in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields. They weren't out there for the night. They were living in the fields. They weren't in town every day. Sometimes it would be weeks before people saw them. You can't be much more removed from the public eye than that. And yet, we're still talking about them today because of one simple fact. Their unforgettable place in our history and in the Bible came from God. So what's that mean for you and I? It means we have unforgettable value regardless of what the world says. Look at these shepherds. I mean, depending on who you ask, they are either tender, loving, hardworking, diligent caretakers, or they are untrustworthy, unreliable, filthy outcasts with whom nobody should bother associating. So do you ever feel like that latter description, that you were an unreliable, filthy outcast that people shouldn't be around or that something's wrong with your life? The social media tell you you're not worthwhile? Do movies or television or even the TV news highlight all of your inadequacies? Do the pervasive voices of our culture that come to you nonstop, relentlessly, 24-7 through small glowing screens tell you that if you aren't li living the correct way, 
that you should be doing things differently, that you somehow aren't worthwhile in your current state? Are you listening to those voices? Do you already feel forgettable? Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Isaiah 43.4 says, Because you are, my, you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you, I give men in return for you and peoples in exchange for your life. Psalm 139.13 says, For you formed my inward parts, and you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I could go on and on and on about your worth, about the role that God has destined for you in his kingdom and in his plan. We could be here until the sun goes down and comes up again tomorrow because you are worth that much. Not because of something you did. Not because of some skill set you were born with. It's deeper than that. It's who you were created to be by the architect of the universe. I was listening to a song this week by Josh White called Breather of the Stars. It's a worship song that talks about God's design, his plans, his sovereignty. Part of the chorus really stood out to me. It says, you are the maker of my heart. Your hands didn't falter or shake. I got teary-eyed when I was typing that line out, working on this message. I'm getting a little misty even now because I wasn't a mistake. I was intentionally built for a purpose in his kingdom. A kingdom that back in Luke chapter 1, verse 33, will know no end. Guess what? That goes for all of you as well. Your unforgettable place in God's plan comes from who he is, not who you are. He chose you just like he chose the shepherds because he has a plan for you and he created you for that plan. It's that simple. So that's our first point, that we can be unforgettable if we let God define our worth. We're just going to jump straight into our second point that ties in pretty closely, that we can be unforgettable if we move when God calls. If we move when God calls. So let's take a peek together at the second part of the shepherd's story. Uh, verses 15 through 18. When the, she- when the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So I was reading this and I'm trying to put myself in the shepherd's place. It's nighttime. It's dark. There's no light pollution like we have today. It's it's properly dark out. There's no noise pollution. There's no trains going by. It is peaceful. It is quiet. All of a sudden, the heavens split open, and there is an angel there in this booming voice, in this blinding light, telling them, don't be afraid. I'm bringing you tidings of good news, that God is coming to earth in the flesh. And then as they're processing this, an entire host 
of the heavens joins them and they start worshiping God. And when it says a multitude of hosts, I'm assuming it meant as far as they could see the entire sky. And they're praising God together. And then as soon, just like it happened, like as suddenly as it happened, it's all gone again. And it's quiet and it's dark and it's peaceful. Now, you're going to have to forgive me. I'm a SpongeBob SquarePants fan. So in my head, this is how I pictured the scene. I do realize I'm 40 years old, yes. So from here on out, the shepherds have a choice to make, right? They can just sit on this information, this thing that's been revealed to them, or they can go chase it down and see what's, what's happening. God's revealed this thing to them. Maybe they want to go actually see it for themselves. The first option is pretty easy for them. They just sit tight and go, hmm, that was neat. God chose to reveal that to us. Kind of wrap it up and keep it for myself. The second one requires some risk, because keep in mind, they're not just camping out under the stars. They are keeping watch over their flocks. If they leave, they're leaving their flocks there. That's their livelihood, unprotected. They're also probably going to expose themselves to a little bit of ridicule, because I don't read anywhere in the scripture where the angel gave them a street address. This is the exact spot that this thing has happened. You should go to this specific point at this specific place and you'll find what we were talking about. Literally, they're just told, in Bethlehem, this thing has happened in a manger. So I'm imagining they have to ask around a little bit to find out where Jesus actually is. And so in my head, the conversation's kind of like, well, okay, so uh, we, an angel came down and he told us that the Savior has been born and he's somewhere here in Bethlehem and he's lying in a manger. So if you could point me that way, it'd be great. Yeah, you know, like a manger, like a, a feeding trough. Uh, no, I didn't happen to catch the angel's name, but, you know, this is from God, so if you could just point me in the right direction, I'd really, really appreciate it. No, I don't know where my sheep are right now. Okay, you know what? Never mind. I'm just going to ask somebody else. It, it probably didn't go down exactly like that, but you can understand where they probably sounded crazy to some of the people that they were running into sharing this story and trying to find out more information. So several weeks ago, Aaron Simpson, one of our teachers here, spoke on FOMO, the fear of missing out. And if you haven't heard that message, please take a few minutes, go on our webpage, go on YouTube, look for Cornerstone Vineyard Church, find that message. It's really outstanding. The main thrust of that message was that we don't need to fear about missing out on what God's doing with other people because God has a specific place and a specific purpose for us. And if we are turned, tuned into what he's doing, we're not going to miss anything. We're going to be exactly where he wants us to be. I mean, the shepherds weren't doing anything special. They weren't actively worried about what God was doing in these other sectors of the population. They were doing their job. They were where they were supposed to be. And God found them because he can do whatever he wants. And he revealed himself to them. But the shepherds really probably would have missed out on the fullness of that plan if they had decided just to sit tight and not move when God had revealed that he was doing something. They wouldn't have gotten to see the Messiah in the flesh, they wouldn't have been able to spread the word to everyone that they met. They actually would have missed out on something I think that we all yearn for as Christians and as specifically humans. We want physical confirmation when God speaks, right? We would love to be able to hear God say, I'm doing this thing, and then you actually get to go see that thing. They would have missed out on all of that 
if they hadn't moved. But in Luke 2.12, it says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Guess what they found? Everything just as it had been revealed to them. In Luke 2.20, it says, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, there's been some times in my life where I was pretty sure that the Lord had spoken to me, that he had given me something that he wanted me to be involved with. Or maybe he sent somebody that gave them, you know, gave me a word. Hey, God told me to talk to you about this, and I really feel strongly that the Spirit wants me to say this to you. And I didn't go after it. I didn't get my confirmation because I got busy. You know, life's busy, right? You've got other things. I've got a wife, and I've got kids, and I've got responsibilities. And so I kind of did one of these, God, you know, just hang tight. That is really important, but I'm going to finish this other thing first, and then I'll get back to you. And then I didn't get back to him because I forgot about it. And by that point, his voice was silent and I just missed the boat. And those instances, I think, were opportunities to feed my faith where maybe God just wanted me to take a small faith walk with him so that he could show me that he really is who he says he is and he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And I didn't take the opportunity. And instead, all I really have is a few stories about well, God probably wanted me involved in his plan, but I, I didn't follow up on it. These shepherds in the story, though, fortunately, they're way, way smarter than I did, am, and they dropped everything. They left their flocks, they left their job, they left everything to go see what God was doing. That faith in action, when God called, they moved, that came, became part of their unforgettable story. Hebrews 11 is going to come up here. Write this down. If you've got some time this week, please, please, please read through Hebrews 11. I love this passage of Scripture because it is a, it's kind of a who's who of the Bible. All these stories, all these people of faith that we're still talking about today because God called and they moved in faith, just like our shepherds. Their stories stood the test of time. And I love the repeated refrain. There's a whole block of verses in in there that says, in faith, this happened. In faith, this happened. We're going to look at one specific passage, though, verses 32 to 34. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to talk about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. I mean, that's a pretty amazing list, right? Those are all things we would dream about doing, the kinds of things you would write unforgettable stories about. But the common thread there is God was doing something. God was moving, and he went out and spoke to someone, and they in faith responded, and because they responded, they got to walk through that faith journey with the Lord, and at the end of it, they got what was promised. And we're reading about them today, and those stories feed our faith today. Isaiah 43, 19 says, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. It's, now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? God has an unforgettable place in his story for you as well. Do you see it? We're not all going to get 
an announcement from an angel regarding some pivotal point in history that we get to be a part of. In fact, what God's got in store for you may seem super mundane and very forgettable. Like in the grand scheme of things, nobody's going to remember what you did. But it's super important to remember that just because you aren't an Abraham or a Moses or a David, that your story still matters. Because honestly, at the beginning of their faith walk, Abraham, Moses, and King David weren't the Abraham, Moses, and King David that we think of today. These giants of faith that we read about, that we're still thinking about their stories and processing these amazing things they've done. At the outset, Abraham was an old childless man that was supposed to be the father of a nation and had no idea how that was going to happen. Moses fell from a position of power, was an outcast from his own people, living in the desert with a speech impediment. David was the least of his brothers. And coincidentally, a simple shepherd boy, not unlike the shepherds we're talking about here in the Christmas story. But God called and they responded in faith and then God gave them what he promised them. And now we're still talking about them. We're still remembering that. So that's our second point today, that we can be unforgettable if we move when God calls. I'm going to have Pastor Matt come up here. We're going to have a few prayer opportunities. But I want to close with this thought. Luke 2, 17 and 20 say that when they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told them about this child. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. So this morning, if you're at a point where you don't feel like these shepherds, you don't have anything that God's revealed to you, maybe you don't feel like you've got a reason to praise him, something worth pondering is, has he tried to include you in his plan? Has he called you to something unforgettable that may not even seem unforgettable at the time, And you didn't take that step of faith? Has he called you to break a pattern of divorce in your family? Parents got divorced. Their parents got divorced. It's just the way things are. But he's called you to fight for your marriage. He's called you to change your lineage from here on out, to set a pattern of marriages that survive, that are the covenant that he intended, to model that for your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids. Has he called you to speak into somebody's life about correcting a habit or a pattern of destructive behavior or maybe even spoken to you about that person doesn't even know me and I need you to speak into their life so that they can know who I am. These are all unforgettable things. But we've got to take that step of faith that when he calls, when he asks us to do something, there's a reason and a purpose behind it. It's not just an exercise because you're part of his plan. Thanks for joining us this week. We pray that you are challenged and blessed by this message and that you find application for it in your life as God leads you through this week. For more information about us, please visit our website at cornerstonevineyard.church.